friends, Romans, countrymen. Let me hear us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 42 of the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, June 17th. And as those of you who are fans of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy know, the number 42 is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Why is that? Well, some of you may have read the book and know about this number. And some reasons why 42 is considered the secret number, the secret answer, here are a few reasons. A barrel holds 42 gallons of water or any liquid. The angle at which light reflects off of water to create a rainbow is 42 degrees. And it's just a great number. If 27 weren't my favorite number, it would probably be 42. This week's episode is brought to you by some new Patreon supporters. Shout out to Chris, Anthony, and Stuart. And some old school supporters, Christopher, Nora, and Web Guy. He spells it with a three. So uh, that's what's up. Thank you all for your support. I am dropping a Eastbound and Down track this month. And then I'm doing a Richard Brodigan song, so be sure to log in for that. I'm also doing a bunch of songs about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm doing songs about the stories in the MCU chronologically. Don't want to miss that. That's going to be tight. This week on the podcast, we have Neil Olstad from Cuckoo Kangaroo. And I met these guys on the Vans Warp Tour. I remember they were very friendly, especially Brian. And I got to know Neil, too. And I met Neil on the day before the tour started. And... Um, Something interesting about hipster culture is that there's always this embracing of childhood. And I talked about that a little bit on Hipster Girl. And if you've seen Cuckoo Kangaroo, the reason why they're so freaking appealing is that kids can get into them, but so can like rowdy hipsters and parents. And I'll never forget once at the Vans Warped Tour, they end their show with this colorful parachute for their awesome rainbow song. And I remember jumping under the parachute and everyone moshing and how serious they took it. It was great to talk to Neil because Neil has a lot of interests, technology, basketball, hip hop music, pop culture. He loves roller coaster rides. He tells a crazy story about how he once rode a roller coaster hundreds of times to try to win a car. And uh, I just love Neil. He's one of my favorite people. We talk about the NBA finals and it was before everything went down last Thursday. And we're speculating on how the Warriors were going to win. But Neil's taught me a lot about basketball over the years. And uh, it was the last game before the Warriors moved to San Francisco, so that was epic. We talked about that. Uh, I played a show Saturday with Word Burglar and MC Frontalot and Dice Raw, who's part of the Roots Collective. Toronto won a championship, and so, you know, I'm not going to take it too personally, Word Burglar. You're, you're from Toronto, but that's what's up. So we asked a question that we did not clarify. I'm going to clarify the question before the podcast, so when we get to that speculative point of our discussion, you'll be like, oh, I know, they already figured that out. So Neil wonders why... The Oakland A's mascot is a white elephant. And I did not know the history of this. I mean, I'd heard about it, but I forgot about it. And I mistakenly call him Stampy, but that's because I was thinking about The Simpsons. Stomper is the actual name of the elephant. So here is the origin of why the Oakland A's picked an elephant as their mascot. Are you ready? All right. So in the early 1900s, there used to be the Philadelphia Athletics. They were uh, going head to head with the New York Giants. The New York Giants manager said that one of their investors had a quote unquote white elephant on their hands. So why is a white elephant? Why does that mean like a bad gift? You know, they have a, you know, like you'll go to a Christmas party and it'll be a white elephant gift where you give horrible gifts and everyone's like angry, like, oh my gosh, I got a can of disgusting rotting pickles. Oh no, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? So white elephant comes from the idea that back in the day, hundreds of years ago in Southeast Asia, a white elephant is a rare albino elephant. And they're seen as like a sign of good luck. So if an emperor were to give you a white elephant as a gift, you would have to feed the elephant tons of hay, 
feed it tons of food, find a place to put it, make sure it didn't destroy your house because you had to expensively maintain this creature, which was like majestic and beautiful, but like a pain to keep. So in the New York Giants calling the Oakland A's a white elephant, it was like the investor had this gift that was horrible. And so at the beginning of the World Series that year, the manager sent the New York Giants manager a stuffed white elephant as like a joke. So they kind of embraced the team. You know what I mean? It's like when someone calls you a nerd, you create a subgenre based on that. And in 1988, they officially adopted Stomper on their uniforms as their mascot. So the Oakland A's are interesting because they were owned by Philadelphia, owned by Kansas City, and eventually by Oakland. So thank you, Neil, for like inspiring me to look that up. We just dropped a new video, Ozymandias. It came out Friday. Please be sure to go to mclars.tv. That links to my YouTube channel, and you can see all four of our videos we've done for the Dewey Decibel System. I made a playlist. Mega Rand was in New York this weekend. I was too. We had a press day. We went to Marvel. We did their podcast, Freestyled on Marvel. It was tight. We did a Pace Magazine day trotter session, and then we did an interview with NPR about Edgar Allan Poe. And then today, we're doing a bunch more stuff. So shout out to Stun Company Media, because Sue Marcus has been doing great. I got some shows coming up. I'm playing Warp Tour on June 29th, and then uh, July 6th, I play Anime Midwest, and I got some more stuff coming up this fall. So that's what's up. Let's get into this interview with Neil Olstead. Next week is Brian from Cuckoo Kangaroo. So I thought it'd be cool to talk to them about the different approaches to the project, kind of like I did with the Dead Milkman. And we're going to end with Neil's and Brian's song, Dear Diary from Fast Casual, which I think is indicative of how Cuckoo Kangaroo do not care. They'll do whatever they want and they have fun with it. And they made this album about Panera because they like Panera. I've eaten at Panera many times with these guys on tour. And Dear Diary is kind of Neil's story of this character who just loves Panera and how Panera helps his dreams come true. So this is a conversation with my man, Neil, on the MC Lars podcast. And uh, check it out and be sure to check out Cuckoo Kangaroo. If you're a fan of me, I'm sure you've heard Cuckoo Kangaroo. And if you haven't, you're going to have your mind blown. Go to their YouTube channel because they're really, really tight. All right. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with a friend of mine, Neil Olstad of Cuckoo Kangaroo. Hi, Neil. And we're here in the Travelodge doing shows together in the UK. So this has been our third time in England together, right? Yeah, this is. Uh, we just keep doing it. We keep, we keep coming back to the UK, doing shows, thankful to Lars, who's been here a million times. How many times have you been on tour in the UK, Lars? I think 25. No way. There's I've a real come, number. I've come, 25 well, separate trips. I've to come the like UK. twice or three times a year, every year since 2003. Wow. So it might even be more than that. 30. Well, we're, we're blessed that you bring us with you sometimes. That's great. Well, how many times have you been here? <laughs> uh, prob- I think we've done, we've come here five times, I think, to do shows. And then Brian and I came here one time before that. Um, we studied abroad in the UK, in London, um, in like 2006. We have so, that in yeah. common. We yeah. both studied here. Yeah, we both studied abroad here and both um, then made bands and <laughs> music that started touring here. And music that was defiantly tangential to like the serious band stuff we'd both done before. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, Brian and I also had a band before Cuckoo Kangaroo. So 
you know, we did that and then stopped and then started doing this. So that's kind of kind of your history as well, I guess. I want to thank you for something. Oh. Well, you gave me the inspiration and confidence to start this podcast. Yeah, I think everybody should have a podcast. You have two, right? That I you have do? two podcasts. Um, I'm really into basketball. So I have um, two different podcasts about each of the professional basketball teams in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from. So I have a Timberwolves podcast called Wolves Cast and a Minnesota Lynx podcast um, called Lynx Dynasty. So yeah, so I make two podcasts. And like I said, I think everybody um, should have a podcast because at the end of the day, I feel the best podcasts are just about, you know, people who are very enthusiastic about any sort of given topic. It doesn't matter what your show is about. It's about, it should just be whatever you're the most into and whatever really gets it going and whatever you can, whatever the thing is that you can speak for the longest on, not that your show should be endlessly long, but <laughs> whatever it is where your friend's like, all right, all right, enough about whatever, you know, like that's the thing. Enough about Roger Rabbit, Lars, enough. You know? <laughs> well, the cool thing about, what I love about doing this podcast, especially on the road, is like, you know, we talk a lot on tour, but it gives us like an uninterrupted little chunk to catch up with friends. I love that about it. And and I also love meeting new people and and connecting with them. But like, it's really a special thing to have friends on who you have a conversation that ultimately becomes public. But I think special podcasts are ones that it's like a private conversation you might have anyway, right? Yeah, and you get to then also share whatever that person's, whatever that thing that that other person's into. And you kind of get to, you know, either match up what you both like or, you know, you know get to share opinions about whatever. And and yeah, it's, it's a good way to sort of just sit down. And I think people are like hearing the, those types of things anyway, you know. If they listen to the MC Lars podcast, as you are right now, then then you probably like the types of things Lars and the uh, people that you roll with uh, sort of talk about. So I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a I think it's a wonderful thing that podcasting has gotten so big recently, and so you know more more available and more you know more people are making them. It's kind of a, kind of a joke these days, you know, like oh my podcast, you know, but that's a good thing in, in my mind. You know, I think it's cool. It's cool that people you know can distribute and, and make something in this kind of uh in this way that's so accessible well it's like yeah it's like my instagram you know everyone's a fantastic photographer with great filters you know what i mean it's <laughs> similar right yeah yeah but um i remember we'd be on tour and you'd be on your ipad editing your episodes yeah and it last was, year you'd always you work so hard on it all the time that's the cool thing about you know audio and this kind of thing too i mean we're here in the uk and we're doing this show it's it's pretty portable i mean technically you can record a podcast with just your smartphone device or whatever and i don't know if i'd recommend you do that but hey if that's where you got to start do it anyway you know what i mean don't don't be limited by the tools yes there are some uh you know expensive things you can do to you know make your podcast sound better and stuff but hey you should do it you should start your podcast from wherever you are with whatever you have on you you can probably do it but yeah on the road i'm record i'm uh, not recording shows but uh, producing and editing the shows that uh with wolf's cast my brother uh, is my is my co-host so he's back home still doing the show with a friend and stuff and then he just sent you know uploads the the files dropbox and i could download them and edit on the ipad and stuff so you know, yeah, it's it's a great time. Again, it's another great reason why it's a great time for for audio and for to make things on the internet and stuff. Is you know the tools are all there and relatively cheap and easy and and uh, yeah, so it's 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 really fun to be able to do this while I'm on the road too. Neil, explain to me why you love. What is everything you love about basketball? Mm, uh, the game is the game is a beautiful game. The game is a improvisational game. 
you know it's uh the the comparisons between um you know basketball and jazz are 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 very clear you know and very um you know and uh you know so i just love the game i grew up playing the game so you know it sort of is embedded in me at a young age you know it was i'm a tall person so i was always you know on the basketball team even growing up as a kid so i was always tall but uh yeah just a passion for the game of just just it's a beautiful fast moving um free flowing um game that's that's really and i love the personalities of of especially the nba and the wnba uh you know basketball there's no there's no face masks there's no mm. hats you know obscuring the facial features and, and emotion of these players and stuff so i find that of the major sports it's the most emotional and and also you know you, you get to know the personalities a little bit more and there's less players as well you think about a nfl football team um how many players are on the field at the same time how big their rosters are you know 50 60 people or whatever it is uh, but in the NBA, you know, each team only has five players on, on the court at once and there's only 12 players on the team in general. So mm. I don't know. I feel I can connect to the NBA a little bit better. And I just I just love the game so much. So um, it's, it's my uh, it's my sport of choice. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't slow down, really. It keeps it's fluid like it, jazz, right? It keeps on moving. Everyone has to. There are set plays, but the improvisational part is, you know, kind of, you know, as as it is in jazz is. Um, you know, each player has lots of free will to kind of do lots of other things. Everything is not scripted very much at all. You know, there's there's so much ability to, you know, freestyle and, and do something different or just to go one on one. And instead of involve your teammates, you know, if you think you have the best chance to score, just go for it. And that's, uh, you know, lots of reading the floor, as they say, you kind of make a decision in real time as the defense presents itself to you or the offense presents itself to you. So, you know, I, I just love that about it. And it's just it's so beautiful to watch to me and it's so simple and um and yeah i, I love it <laughs> so why was michael jordan considered such a legend and it was he still considered the greatest of all time he is yeah i think most most would still consider him the greatest although lebron is as he uh i believe enters he you know he's finishing up i believe his 15th season so he's kind of you know that's that's a lot in the nba you know i think michael might have played 17 or something like that but uh jordan was the best because he was the he dominated the league for a long time you know and uh you know just did it in a way that no one before him really had on both ends of the court um offensively and defensively you know he wasn't just scoring he was also one of the best defensive players in the league um and just you know beyond beyond how good he was it was the cultural aspect of what he was doing that had just never really been done before the, the way he the marketing of it all and the way he was connecting to the country and the world at large had never really been done before. I mean, before him, the biggest stars you had were maybe Magic Johnson and, and, and Larry Bird, which they were great. And that was, that was a, you know, a big marketing thing for the league, their rivalry. But MJ took it to the next level and the shoes and, um, you know, the, yeah, the Nike stuff, the McDonald's stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird to Space say. Jam. Space Jam. Yeah. It's kind of weird to like talk about like the advertisement stuff side of it. But it, it is notable because it didn't really exist in a big way before him. You know what I mean? I think he was probably the first uh, NBA player to like host SNL, you know, and do stuff oh, like wow. that. So, <laughs> you know. Is it true that he wore his North Carolina shorts underneath, which is why he wore the baggy ones and popularized that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were supposed to be covering up his North Carolina jersey uh, uh, shorts, but yeah. So he wore his college uh, basketball shorts under his Chicago Bulls, you know, pro team shorts when he played in the NBA. So, 
yeah that was just like a little lucky you know he it was just a superstition of his i guess to wear those but yeah it was maybe also i've never read that but maybe that's the case it was maybe a league rule that he couldn't have a blue you know if you play for the bulls you can't have a blue color on right so it was maybe he had to fully cover them up and Uh, and then that popularized kind of the baggy basketball shorts yeah and there were some other um college teams most notably there's a michigan university of michigan team um from the mid 90s or the early 90s that that also brought in that uh that baggy shorts era or whatever but yeah mj was the greatest and still is considered but lebron is um you know lebron is right there up there with him i would say they're probably one two in most people's eyes you know first and second so lebron has definitely risen that high lebron just doesn't have the number of titles uh uh, michael jordan won six um lebron i believe has three um, meaning nba championship nba championship titles yeah but lebron has a number like of world other series things. uh world series is uh baseball but, but it's yeah. like the basketball yeah. version of that yep or the or the uh you know the super bowl or yeah. You know, yeah stanley cup so uh so yeah so yeah but i grew up a big jordan fan too because i grew up in the midwest not in minnesota so like the bulls were hot and i didn't live in the state you know i did live in illinois for a little bit but then I moved to iowa so i was like just gonna follow the Bulls. They're the best, and you know they're in the Midwest too. So I grew up a big Jordan fan because they were really close to where I lived. And then when I moved to Minnesota, when I was like in fourth grade, then I got into the got into the Timberwolves and started doing that. But yeah, the Bulls and Jordan were my first, you know, favorite kind of sports team and personality. So it's it's important to me. So LeBron has a conflicted relationship with Cleveland because he left and went to Miami. And then when he came back, people were mad, but they ultimately said, "Whatever, we still love you." Do I did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, he, he he came back to them, so you know he kind of made well there. And then, even more importantly than that, he won a title there. He won a championship uh, for Cleveland, um, so that kind of um, really made it all fine. And and then for him to leave again and go to L.A., well, it was way less of a big deal in that point because you know it was later in LeBron's career. Well, he went but to was, L.A. I thought he went to Florida. I'm wrong. I was wrong. Well, and in he was drafted by Cleveland. He grew up in Cleveland, so he's yeah. from Akron. And um, drafted by Cleveland, spends the first, um, I forget how many years, really, maybe uh, seven, eight years there. Then he goes to Miami, uh, you know, wins two titles there, um, and then leaves Miami to go back to Cleveland, wins one title in Cleveland. Uh, and then he has just this season now left to play in Los Angeles oh. for, the, for the Lakers. Um, so, yeah, so this this time it was much of a much less of a blow to the city of Cleveland because, hey, he delivered the championship, the first championship in, like, I think, any of their pro sports history. So it was like not just a big deal for the Cavaliers, but for the entire city of Cleveland to have a, have a, have a championship. So. so are the Warriors still doing as well? Or are they yeah, the Warriors. We were, you know, we were uh, recording this before the playoffs start here and in, in, uh, uh, for the NBA this season, but they are the heavy title favorites again. Uh, you know, to potentially win three NBA championships in a row. They've won the last two, and uh, they look to be doing it again. And Steph's as good as ever, and Kevin Durant's good as ever. And, uh, yeah, your hometown uh, your hometown guys there are, are looking good, at least for one more year. Kevin Durant, potentially, lots of rumors flying that he might go to New York. He might go to the New York Knicks next season. So he's got one more year at least here uh, with uh, Golden State, but then... Who knows where he'll go, but Steph will still be there. They'll still be a very good team, but this might be the last year that Golden State is like for sure the title favorite going into the playoffs. And then local news for you, you know, they're moving out of Oracle. The Golden, Lars, the Golden State Warriors are moving away from, from, from Oakland. They're moving across the bridge, across the, across the harbor into San Francisco. They have a new arena wow. that's being built there, Chase Center. Um, I forget exactly where it is, but it's right in like a pier area. Right there in San Francisco. So next season, the 2019-20 season, they will play 
in San Francisco. So last year in Oakland for for the Warriors. And their their stadium is right there by the um, Oakland A's Coliseum. Yep, right next door. Yep. So it's um it's interesting how I don't know. I don't follow you know basketball or baseball really that closely, but I do love the lo- dirty A's cap. Yeah, I still rep my where I grew up. Yeah. And it's like that with you that, um, you know, you rep Minnesota, but you have a love for Chicago because you're from the Midwest. And I'm in a lot of cities who are regional to Chicago have that affiliation, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and just again, to speak culturally about Jordan's impact, it probably wouldn't matter where I lived if I was, you know, if I was born in 1985. So, you know, I was kind of in like elementary school, like when Jordan was, you know, he won his first title, I think in 90. Yeah, it was 91, 92, 93 were his first three titles. So, you know, I'm a young kid. If I was in that age range anywhere in the country, I'd probably be idolizing Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. But it was convenient. Yeah, they lived in the Midwest. But yeah, and you, everyone loved Mike. You know, I think it was just that big. You know, it was that, especially for kids and stuff. I mean, that's that's what Steph Curry is today to these kids. You know, like, yeah, he's not. You know, he's not uh, maybe as like supernatural athletically. You know, he can't jump out of the building or whatever. But what he's doing, especially for someone who's of a smaller stature as a as a play as a player. You know, he's only like six three. You know, which is tall for a normal human, but that's it's not that tall for an NBA player. You know, and just to be the, the greatest shooter of all time, which is what Steph Curry is at this point in, in his career. Um, you know, kids idolize him like they did Mike, you know, so it's so, like that. So he could shoot across the court and get it in more than anyone else. And yes, full court. he's the best long range shooter ever. Man, full court. He can shoot from anywhere. Steph Curry is amazing. Smooth. <laughs> so you grew, you grew up in South Dakota? Yeah, well, I was born in, not, not really, my family's from South Dakota, but yeah. yeah, I was born in Nebraska. I lived in Michigan, lived in Illinois, lived in Iowa. And then uh, since, yeah, I was in like fourth grade, I lived in Minnesota. So, but my family, um, is, my parents are both from South Dakota. Why did they move like every year? My, yeah, my dad just had uh, work where he just kept getting like different gigs and different promotions and stuff. So he would have to switch up. And, you know, my family, our kid, like my brother and sisters are younger than me. So we were kind of young enough that it didn't really matter too much if we moved. But yeah, then once I got into like middle school and high school and stuff, we stopped, stopped moving, thankfully. But yeah, we just kept moving around, you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes. But, you know, at least keep moving. Yeah, keep keep moving. But I'm um, I'm glad I didn't have to move like in high school and stuff, right? Like that that would be you didn't have to do that, did you? You, you like I had to move for in fifth grade. Fifth grade. So I left okay. Oakland and then my parents moved to Monterey, which is yeah. like near Santa Cruz. As long as you get out before, you know, as long as you're like staying once you get to be about that age, yeah. like middle school and high school gets like so hard. I can't imagine. And because you're the new kid, you're starting oh, over again. I can't imagine. That must be so tough. Anyone who's listening who did have to move, we our hearts go out to you. <laughs> we feeling, we're feeling sorry for you. Sorry. My dad, you know, he he's from Australia and they moved a lot between Australia and America mm. because his dad was going to get his phd and they were like back between and that was hard on him you know yeah and so he really formed this intense love of american culture because it's like he the first time he moved he i think he was like seven or eight mm. and it was um he wanted to feel this kinship you know yeah and did he ever did he ever take you to, to sports you know any any you remember going to any warriors games or any we oakland a's, a's, a's games, games or something yeah, yeah. And we still try to do every summer that's cool and once last summer two summers ago i tweeted from the field like at the oh, yeah. a's game and their social media team since they followed me came and brought us all this merch and like <laughs> shouted so me cool. out that was cool shout that's out what to you get for wearing the hat everywhere <laughs> yeah. you go everywhere you go the, all around the world i rep it like today our tour director our tour manager tony was like lars what is a oakland a stand for i'm like oh yeah people don't know it's the athletics it's the athletics and um even i know that i don't really follow baseball but i know that one i guess uh, the only thing i don't know is why like they're like secondary mascots like an elephant stampy the elephant why is it why is that 
<laughs> like, I don't know. I don't get the elephant thing. I wish I knew. I, I think I used to know. That's something to research. Someday you'll interview Stampy on the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like that kind of... This, isn't well, Stampy the name of the elephant from, from Simpsons? Stomp, I'm sorry. You're right. It is. Good job, Neil. Stomper is the oh, ultimate Stomper. Ace. He always comes out and like start kicks the game off and yeah. everything. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Speaking of Simpsons, I just want to say one of, the, one of the things I'm really happy about in my life that I was able to ride the Simpsons... Uh, uh, you know, ride at Universal Studios Orlando with MC Lara. It's just an honor to, you know, to be on the ride and in the in experience the whole Springfield USA area of the park with such a such a uh, you know a historian of of the Simpsons world. And uh, so that that was really fun. I'm, I'm glad we got to do that. That was our day off when I was opening for you guys in 2017, maybe. Yeah. Or and um yeah end end of 2017 I think it was it, or maybe, yeah 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 and our friend Sarah and Nick got us in because Sarah works there mm -hmm. and so I fun. I wanted to spend all day this, it's the Simpsons land but the rest of the tour is like all right let's keep let's keep it moving guys we've it's been here pretty, five hours it's a pretty big um, section like it's not just one attraction there's like a spinner ride there's like the alien spinner ride which is really funny just to stand there and listen to it because it yeah. does like all these hilarious lines of like the aliens well, kang and kodos <laughs> yes twirl to you hurl or something <laughs> that's funny and then they have multiple food things in there yeah. you can go into mo's you can um you know they have the bumblebee man um taco truck outside <laughs> you can get they have the quickie mart which yep. i wonder if they'll quickie mart merch still still rep the apu part of that i was there a few months ago and it's still there so yeah. we're good for now yeah that's interesting it's interesting how immersive that land is and then and then there's the mm -hmm. simpsons ride with the line that's like really cool yeah it's 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 a good experience highly recommend it might make you a little dizzy but it's a good it's a good experience it's not a did brian go on it or not no he doesn't like screen rides yeah they make him they make him hurl it's um I've, i wrote it when it first came out and i didn't i i thought it was gonna be like a ride with like practical effects and stuff but vi revisiting it later like 11 years later it, it's really funny because it's like it's yeah. Anyone who has it's genuinely funny. It's yeah. like yeah, which you can't say about many rides. <laughs> it's not like many rides are going for comedy. <laughs> that one is. And it feels like when I don't want to give the ride away, but well, I'll say one thing. Maggie gets blown up and she's gigantic, mm. and so she's like playing with the car, and it feels it almost feels like it's actually happening. Like when yeah. you get picked up and stuff, you're it's moving, like, you're moving around. Yeah, I think it exists in L.A. too, doesn't it? Yeah, that's is where it? I first it's in wrote both? it. Okay. Yeah, and it's pretty similar, but they don't have all this like crusty land stuff, like all the um, it's not as big. Yeah, it's in Orlando small. they have more of the land stuff. Is what you're saying. You're a big theme park aficionado. Oh, I'm so into it these days, Lars. What is your parents' backgrounds? Like, what kind of careers did they end up doing? Yeah, so so my dad, um, you know, he yeah he's in uh, he was in pharmaceuticals for a while, um, and that was kind of you know just pharmaceutical sales, and that was that was his main jam, and and uh, that kept us moving around the country. So we always had uh, you know lots of. <laughs> Like a swag around the house, like pens with like crazy, Pfizer. Yeah, yeah, like pens with crazy like pharmaceutical names on them, or like little like stress ball, squishy balls that you would squeeze, you know, and stuff like that. So that's kind of like my memory of all that. And he like had to travel all the time and like go sell doctors on the hottest new drugs or whatever. But um, yeah, so he was, you know, he I don't, he never, I don't think he went to like pharmacy school. He's more of like a salesman or whatever. Um, but yeah, these days he works in like dental insurance and, and kind of so kind of similar kind of like medical sales like type of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, my mom, I don't know, she, she was a stay-at-home mom like pretty much um, for our childhood. And then she um, started working as a secretary like in the, in the, school, in the school system and, and stuff uh, in Minnesota. 
And so that's what she still does now, works in a school as a secretary and everything. So, but yeah, she was around kind of stay at home as a stay at home mom, again, of two siblings. So she was always hanging around, uh, taking care of us and bringing us everywhere and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mostly think of her as, I don't know, like a mom, <laughs> I guess, yeah. as you do with your parents. But I don't know, I, sometimes I guess like parents have like more intense jobs. You're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what they are. <laughs> but there were three of you, you said. Yeah, right? three so kids. that's intense. Yep, yep. yep. So I'm, I'm, sure the, I'm the oldest. You were probably a very, were you kind of like a wild out of control kid or were you kind of shy and quiet? Um, I think I had the thing of like, I'm the oldest, so I feel like I'm getting the raw end of the deal. You know what right. I mean? A little bit where I, I could like see that like my parents were going through stuff for the first time and they were just like, here's the rule. And it's a strict rule because we we don't know about this yet. You know what I mean? Like I could see that right. it definitely like play out to be true. Like the youngest kid, like, you know, as your parents have like gone through it before, like they kind of understand it a little bit better and maybe like give maybe some rulings that are more favorable to the child in those situations because they realize the world's not going to end if you're not home by whatever <laughs> or i don't know you know so so yeah. i definitely kind of had that i felt that kind of pressure of being like oh man i'm getting you know i, I it sucks to be the oldest because of this you know but i don't know it's what's your different your difference between you three um there's about two years difference between all of us so okay. two years my brother's two years younger than me and my sister is about two years younger than him my yeah. sister i have an older sister who Maybe you met her at the wedding. I don't know. Um, yeah. my, my sister, Sarah, she she would always, you know, she's a year older. And she'd always complain about how, you know, she'd get to see a PG-13 movie. when I And I'd get to at the same time. My milestones right. were matched with hers. Yes. But with, with the four-year it's just easier that yeah. way. It's just more convenient. Right. So it's like not fair. And she always felt it was not fair that I would get to do things when she did. Yeah, that's always fun. I always talk about that with my wife because my wife, her she has two sisters who are about like 10 years older than her oh you wow know? and so like and they're both like 10 years older they're like 11 and 10 years older than her so it's like yeah she knows about like all these you know she got to watch all these movies when she was you know <laughs> when she was you know a much younger person you know yeah. and they were just like you know they're 18 you know and she's eight or whatever you know <laughs> and it's so like she saw all this stuff and she has all these weird experiences that are like even though she is a few years younger than me she has like all these experiences with movies that like I don't remember because right, like she right. was watching like all these like eighties movies and stuff with her sisters. Well, so, well, yeah. And your wife is like a very accomplished writer. Yep, she's a writer and she's a yeah she's a creative director uh, and partner at, at agency, um, at agency in Minneapolis called Superhuman. So yep, so she does that and yeah she's uh, she's a great writer and she's she's uh, yeah she's very uh, she's very wise about. Uh, the world of uh, brands and uh, figuring figuring out uh, you know how to uh, you know position brands and and uh, think of creative ways to you know get their messaging out there and mm. and yeah specifically she's a writer and and uh, stuff like that so yeah maybe that, I mean having siblings that much older maybe that helped her grow up and think of the world mm. I think so way. and yeah especially in the experience in you know experience certain kinds of media or you know, read books. Not not that like they should be off limits to her, but just like different stuff that maybe most kids wouldn't be getting into at her age or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think, yeah, she definitely yeah, had lots of books to read and lots of uh, you know, movies and cultural experiences that were kind of handed down to her by her two older sisters. So that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, as cause you're you're you have an older sister. Yeah. Yeah. So you were it, it is different. It is, yeah, I always felt like I was trying to I don't know. I've always wanted to look out for my siblings too, and and also try and like show them things, and you know, you know, mm. different sort of cultural things or music or movies or whatever, you know. But all it's hard because you kind of want to, 
you have a feeling of wanting to, uh, you know, do those things, but then also you want to be your own person. Right. You know, you want to set your own your own trail. So they really looked up to you. I guess I think that's always the case. Unless yeah. you, you must be. I think you have to be a pretty terrible older sibling, where your where your younger siblings are like, no, this this person's a zero. Right. Like, right. There's no part of this person that I can look at. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think they yeah looked up to me and got into some of the things I was into, you know. And I don't know we were all we're all drummers. That's like a weird thing about my family. Oh, really? <laughs> my other two siblings are also drummers, you know. And I don't oh. know. I don't want to say like they were copying me, but I just think it's just one of those things. And especially when you when you're talking about like a whole drum set. When there's a drum set in your house, hey, y'all, I can be a drummer too, you know. <laughs> so right, right. I don't know. We were all drummers. We all played yeah in the in the marching band, you know, as as drum line and jazz band, you know, as drum kit and stuff like that. So. You know, that was uh, stuff like that, I think, is yeah, naturally kind of handed down. Yeah, I know. The <laughs> loudest house. Thank goodness for basements right. in the middle of the country. Yeah, just stuff it down there and close the door. But yeah, even then, anyone who's lived in a house with a drum kit, there's no there's no closing it off fully. You yeah. cannot. <laughs> if someone's playing drums in your house, you will know. And could you tell who, like, which of your siblings <laughs> had was I mean, playing? Definitely, I could for sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know if my parents could, but yeah, yeah, you could, there's, there was levels of, of skill, obviously, I think there. Um, speaking of levels and speaking of branding, this is good. We talked about theme parks earlier and you listen to a lot of theme park podcasts. You and Becky mm. travel the world and yeah. go to all sorts of theme parks. Yeah. Is she a, a theme park aficionado like yourself? No, I'm, I'm, okay. I, I'm kind of calling the shots in that, in that sort of situation, but she digs it. And, um, yeah, I'm thankful for that because I'm really into it these days and she likes it for sure. But she, and she really, but she really likes like thrill rides. So wow. sometimes like Disney, so sometimes Disney is like a little weak for her. You know what I mean? Because she just wants to go on the gnarly roller coasters. So have you both been to Cedar Point? I, I've never been. Never been. Is that in, in Ohio? Yeah. Is that in, one of the biggest music yeah, parks? Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Cedar. I think Cedar Fair is now like the overall business. And uh-huh. like so that, I think that place is called Cedar Point. But yeah, Cedar Fair I think owns like a number of places like that across the country. There's one in Minnesota called Valley Fair. Oh yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But uh, and but one yeah. and one time and one time you, you rode a roller coaster for <laughs> what? Can we talk about the story? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, twenty four yeah. hours almost. Yeah, I rode a roller coaster for multiple days. It was more than twenty four hours. I slept on a roller coaster for two nights, so I think it was about three days. So yeah, I was on a roller coaster marathon as part of a uh, local FM pop radio station like promotion. It was promotion for the new Toyota Scion when their Scion series was launching in 2004. I was a senior in high school. I was just turned 18, and um, and yeah, they were running this this contest, and uh, you had to be caller um, 101 because their call letters were or their call number was 101, 101.3. Um, and so yeah, I got I I called in. I got to be on it. You were caller one hundred and one. Yeah, and then Good I got job. to be, you know, and then I got to, so they basically did this until they had like thirty six people. You know, they they you know had this call in be caller one on one, and they filled a whole car. Or I don't know if it's thirty six or twenty four or something like that, but essentially filled a whole car full of. Um, was it wait twenty four different days where they waited for the hundred and one caller? Something like that. Yeah, you know, okay. it was a while. Then it was like, all right, we got all the people. Here's right, the date, right. everybody, and then we all showed up it in was the morning. Summer? So, it was summer. Yep. Yeah. So I was out of school at this time. It was like yeah. a, it was like a it was like a week or so after I graduated high school, and uh, and yeah, it was a roller coaster. Ride this roller coaster for as long as you can. You know, the rules were basically if you threw up, you were out, and if you just like quit, you were out. Otherwise, here you go. We're just gonna run it, and you're just gonna keep going, and. 
yeah, um, we would just ride it over and over. It would, you know, the, the ride would end. We'd pull into the station and then, you know, people would load the other cars ahead of us or whatever. And then once enough people got kicked out or left or whatever, they'd start filling in the back of our car or whatever, you know, and they oh, just so, kept riding yeah. us. And every now and then we'd get out to go to the bathroom and they'd feed us like Subway for lunch or like Chipotle or whatever, like kind of was like, you know, like catering, like fast food catering essentially, you know, and just pop, plop it all down for us. And then at night we would sleep in the roller coaster. It wasn't moving. It was just like in parked in the loading area. We would just have to sleep, kind of sitting upright, and like this really? sitting upright. Well, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Could I mean, you like I, lean on your hands? Yeah, and, and you think about some of these roller coasters. You sit down, and you're pretty deep in it, so like the sides were kind of like up to your shoulders. You know, like the sides of the cars, like so you could kind of rest. But yeah, I don't really remember sleeping that well, but I don't really remember it not it being a nightmare either. <laughs> what was know. it? What was the name of the roller? It was coaster? called Wild Thing. It's kind of like the premier. Um, long, fast roller coaster at, at Valley Fair in Shakopee, Minnesota. It's still there. It's it's a, it's a really fun ride still. Um, but yeah, I believe they kept a counter going, so I believe I rode this ride um, over 750 times. Oh my gosh! Um, straight. Um, at one point, they tried to put they put us on other rides in the park um, because not enough of us were leaving. You know, they basically had the Iron Stomach people who were still around, and we weren't leaving for anything. So. It was in the contract that they could kind of basically do whatever. They could change the you rules. You had to sign and stuff. A, like a waiver? Yeah, signed a waiver. They could basically change the rules. So they started putting us on like the looping pirate ship ride. Oh, and we just did that for like an hour straight and like all this other stuff. They were trying to get people to puke essentially. <laughs> did you sleep on it? Then would they wake you up? But all of a sudden the roller coaster's on. Everyone hey, wake up. No, I <laughs> wish. That'd be funny. Go. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to. You know, because we had to wake up and do like promo. Like they'd have like, um, we would do the morning show every day, like the uh, radio station's morning show. And right. there would be like press there. And, and tv stations so the worst part is though i did not win um uh, i um, got kicked off at the end um this was right around the time that survivor had just also premiered on cbs and um again i signed a waiver saying they could change the rules and they did at the end um there's down to five of us and they did a vote off so the, uh, they said okay write down a piece of paper who you want to vote off the roller coaster and i got voted off i was the only guy left i was like the youngest guy there Thankfully, silver lining in all the story is there was another person from my high school who was on the roller coaster with me, a good friend of mine, actually, and she ended up winning. So. Oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> so my friend Carly won. So how did the other- She th- a new car, so she won a new car, and I was about to go to college. I was like, I want a new car. Good job, I was Carly. very upset. I was very upset when I lost, but they, ga- the- they gave me some free passes to come back. <laughs> yeah. The other three, were did they throw up or what? I forget exactly what happened to them. I kind of stopped paying attention after I got kicked off. I think they made someone, they did um, a, a contest where everyone had to put their hands in the air and the first one to put them down um, oh, that's got kicked terrifying. off. Which, but that's a good one, I feel like, because yeah. it's like it's roller coaster related at yeah. least. So, so they didn't realize the um They didn't realize people would go so long. Yeah. So, so I think they tenacious. thought it was going to be like a day or two and I think it went for over a week. When you went to the bathroom though, like, did they pause the roller coaster? They just kept it going for the public, and then we would just get on the next available so one. So everyone would go to the bathroom together? Yeah. Okay, we would so all, keep it fair. We would all get off, and then we'd all get back on. Was the there anyone time. who had like a particularly weak bladder? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember that ever being a thing. The weirdest thing was that someone got like a really bad sunburn and had to get and had to like leave because they got like a gnarly sunburn. Would you putting sunscreen on every yeah, day? Yeah, we just had sunscreen. Yeah, and, and a hat? We had this. Yeah, everyone's wearing hats and stuff, but this person did not. So, oh god. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy I did that, and it's a oh, it's a cherished memory because it's a really weird thing, and not many people have done something like What's that. What's it so. like to sleep in a quiet? amusement park that would be scary yeah it was it was nice except for it's it's tough because it's it's you're outdoors too so then as soon as the, yeah it was a little chilly and then as soon as the sun comes up you're up you know it's like you yeah. know 5 30 in the morning and you're up and at them so 
Oh my yeah, that was gosh. a crazy time. Roller coaster marathon. It was uh, it was, it was hard to ride it that many times and not win. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Did did and that inspired in a part your roller coaster song? I, uh, yeah, we, Brian and I have a song um, called Roller Coaster, and yeah, I guess I did. Uh, and I, but I didn't think about the connection between that roller coaster marathon and my new obsession with theme parks. I wonder right. if that was maybe something that I think about now. I've always liked rides. I've always liked thrill rides and stuff, and I grew up going to Disney. A bunch but now it's been rekindled by this podcast called podcast the ride that you guys should all ch- check out uh podcast the ride and then also this youtube series called defunct land which is amazing it's oh, i've seen that amazing like sh- um 20 minute documentaries about rides or attractions that no longer exist so it's called defunct land you recently saw the avatar thing yeah i was at recently at animal kingdom and was at uh pandora world of avatar and Road Flight to Passage and Navi River Journey and stuff. So it's an incredibly immersive and technically advanced, uh, just incredible. Um, you know, for right now, uh, before Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, aka Star Wars Land, opens in Disneyland and Disney World, Pandora Avatar, uh, World of Avatar is, is is the best thing going. You know, it's the top thing. What's the river ride like? Um, a lot of people complain about it because it's really slow. It's 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 literally just like a boat ride. Um, you know, like Small World or something, but all, yeah. but way better themed. Obviously, Small World just kind of really old and chintzy, but like Pandora or excuse me, Navi River is just beautiful. And it's all it's very dark and it's very and so you're kind of floating through this jungle. And they have the 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 prize is at the very end. There's the shaman from the movie. Um, there's a great shaman animatronic robot at the end, and it is currently. I, I believe it is the most um, technically advanced audio animatronic in the world. Wow. Because it's so big and it has all these points of articulation. It has all these crazy movements it can do and the eyes and the facial expressions. It's the most like technically advanced one out there. So that's why people go on it basically. It, it, and it's a nice, lovely experience, but it's also like still a very long wait for what is not a thrill ride. Is it know? spooky? No, it's not spooky at all. They're just it's just mostly beautiful. You yeah. know? It's like a it's like a trippy, you know, nighttime forest, uh, you know bioluminance kind of like uh, thing and then you have this amazing shaman uh, animatronic at the end cool i want to see that yeah i I, and um it's like funny because you talked about the youtube's like that channel that channel is about rides that used to be and is and like remembering them and and giving you all the history and all the a little bit of the ride through and 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 making sure that these it's more of a this person who makes these is all about the preservation of these ideas and this art because when these rides get old they typically kind of just get bulldozed and Mm. you know everything that's in there is forgotten about especially in the old days before things were archived properly and stuff like you think about you know disneyland i think started in 55 1955 you know and stuff so it's like we're talking about some long time here and you know especially these days when everybody has cameras in their pockets and stuff like to make sure that everything is documented and the story of it is told and the ideas are still preserved because these rides get turned over you know certain rides won't be there forever i'm sorry to say <laughs> you know roger rabbit tune spin i hope it's there for a long time but there'll be a come a time where that ride is not there anymore you know and you're going to want to remember it and you're going <laughs> right. to want there to be media about there about covering it completely and, you know and one day but then one what's it called roger rabbit's tune? roger rabbit's cartoon spin cartoon spin i've never i've never been on it it's great i actually have an episode where i interviewed the lead designer on it amazing it's pretty cool and um but yeah so you, you gotta you gotta protect the the ideas of these because they're gonna go away but at least we can remember them and at least we can you know always sort of like have something to look back on well and it's interesting man because it's like there are connections there with being a performer and having the merchandise 
and the show experience and the props on stage. There's similarities between like yep. the immersive experience for our audience. And when I go to Disneyland or wherever, I'm always thinking of their stuff in terms of merch. Like, oh, this is this is just their version of what we do on a huge level. Yeah. And, and that's cool. Yeah, and I love it for sure. And I think Disney gets a bad rap for it. Obviously, it's a crazy, huge corporation. And there's obviously, and they, they're not great. They don't have a great record with fairly paying a lot of the, their employees of the parks. And there's a lot of the things you can, you know, pick on with Disney. And it's obviously a crazy big company. But man, they're artistically, their theme parks um, are, are, are just next level. And what you're talking about too and is another thing of like, as people who put on shows, to sort of see how the whole experience works is just. It's, it's top level stuff and it's amazing on a design level and on a logistical, how is this park operating and how clean they keep it and everything. Right. Like how do they, it's not about just operating a park, it's how do they do this and operate it at a 10 all day long? Like how are they just like nailing it all day long? Cause they, they have such a high bar for quality. Totally. And it's not like, oh, it, at this part of the day it's good and then it kind of goes to crap later. No, it's amazing all day long and just, just stuff like how everything works together um, is is next level, and and so that stuff is cool too. And like you're saying, the sort of the merchandising of it all, and and the and I always think of that too as putting on a show, you know. Yeah. And that you know that makes me think of like before our band was full time, you know, I would work um, at like a restaurant, or at, you know, I worked at Target Field where the Minnesota Twins play baseball on the suite level. And so I always like working jobs like that too because I could relate it to like music and like doing shows mm. too because it was like literally like we got a show time here like you know there's the prep and then like doors that we got doors we literally have doors like the building is opening at this time yeah, and we're right, gonna let right. everybody in and so like for me if I wasn't doing this I feel like those are the kinds of experiences or even jobs that I like 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 to do because it feels like a show to me or it feels like an event. You know, and so like I like that about theme parks too, about how it's like it's a big grand opening every single day and it ends with fireworks every single day. Right, it's sure. like this crazy yeah. show that yeah. they do literally every day. You know, I mean, they call they famously call their their employees cast members. You right, know? right. And the idea that magic is something that you can trade on and share. It's, it's to, an experience. Yeah, yeah, an experience that is transcends just buying a Mickey Mouse shirt or seeing a cartoon. It's like something that you go to, you make a pilgrimage to. And I it's guess- It's this all day thing. It's not like, again, it's not something you take home of one thing. It's this all day experience. And it's stories like, mom, remember when I, you know, <laughs> I have this story where I went on the Haunted Mansion ride and I was so scared as a kid, I wet my pants. <laughs> and I told my mom, I was like, I, when we were getting off, I'm like, mom, the ghosts at the end were so scary. I, I wet my pants. She's like, let's not tell anyone. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> like, that's always that's part amazing. of our, fa our family yes, lore. Yes. It was so scary. And I still like have dreams of exploring parts of the Haunted Mansion well, not anymore. But when I was like in in grade school, like getting off the ride and walking the yeah. places because it yeah. just dominated. And going down in the ballroom scene where they're dancing yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. oh, have you ever seen or heard about the um, guy who brought a gun in and shot that giant glass window that they built the ride around? So they built the ride around in Haunted Mansion. Yeah, in Haunted Mansion, in Disneyland. Yeah, in Disneyland, they built the ride around it because um, there's the hologram. So they had this giant plate glass that's like huge, like the size of a building. Some guy snuck in a gun. And shot a hole through it, and they couldn't. The glass is like this, like I said, the size of a building. They can't take it out, so they built it to make it look like a spider web around it. Ooh. And I think that's such a great Disney moment. It's like, okay, something we can't fix, but we can make look spooky and part of it. And then what's even more fascinating is the culture of finding out about it and then like 
knowing about it, like in all the Wikipedias and guide sites. And for the first time last Christmas, I went and I saw the spider and it was so cool. Oh, and you're like, I know what yeah. that is. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the spider. There's so much history and so many little things to dig into. And yeah, with Imagineers, you know, and what they went through to make something or why the story behind how something came to be. Like, it's incredible. I mean, even back to Haunted Mansion days, like again, 1955 and in that era, it's like they've always been on the cutting edge technologically of what's of this ride stuff and this attraction stuff. And and they're going to continue to do it with with Galaxy's Edge, you know, with the Star Wars yeah. stuff. It's going to be the premier th stuff in the world, you know. So you have these people work, these Imagineers working for Disney, who whose job it is to kind of create this stuff and be on the very cutting edge of all this. And and yeah, they're, they're always the, they're some of the most creative people in the world, you know. So it's the artist, entrepreneur, people that we, you and I, and Brian and all of our friends grew up looking at, and now we've kind of like found a way to monetize and and make our own brands and make our own magic. And it's kind of cool that we all, especially you and I, we share our appreciation for that. Yeah. We like the show. We like, we like doing, we like doing the whole show and making sure that everybody is, you know, having a good time fully. And I don't know. And your, to connect. Your, your cool shirt with the logos, like your version of the mouse ears, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to have a, you know, you know, that's, that's the, that's for sure a thing. It's good. Hey, it's good for talking about marketing and merch. It's good for that. But it's also like, I don't know. It's a very simple sort of costume sort of idea. Brian, Brian's always talking about. You know, he's always been the, the one to push us towards costumes. Even our even our first band, our rock band that we were talking about before, we we, we wore matching shirts and stuff. Right, Was that like book club, <laughs> book reader, yeah, book reader, yeah. yeah. And so we wore we wore shirts, you know, and that, that were all matching colors and stuff, you know. So like that's that's always been a thing. You know, that's always been the the showmanship part of our band kind of coming out. <laughs> and you have always had an affinity for hip hop. I would say yeah. maybe more than Brian. Yeah, totally. Brian's, you know, I, Brian's definitely more. You know, he 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 likes hip hop and stuff, but he kind of was more maybe growing up on. You know, we always joke that he he was more into you know the soundtracks of 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 certain you know or maybe like Disney movies or um you know he was in show choir so he was he's more into pop music and I'm more into like hip hop and we both kind of also like like pop punk bands and stuff like that we kind of meet in the middle with those types of things yeah, that, uh, yeah. but yeah I kind of grew up um I don't know some of my first music memories as far as like recorded music that I would listen to were hip hop records um you know uh you know stuff mostly i think about i think i think the well my first like tape i ever had um michael jackson dangerous so that's not really hip-hop but heavy uh, d's on it okay that's right yeah, yeah. i'm black and white or yeah, yeah. Uh, no he's on um who, does someone rhyme on black and white too? yeah but yeah. he's uncredited he's just like a, a an engineer they had rap on it weird yeah um but yeah, like Coolio, like, and you mentioned Space Jam. Space Jam was big. I love the Space Jam uh, soundtrack. Again, I was right, the perfect age for for that when that came out. So like, what yeah, a great Coolio. soundtrack! And and you know, Jay Z ghost wrote Bugs Bunny's rap song on that. I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah. I and mean, Jay Z was one of my favorite rappers to start. You know, I, you know, having um, uh, you know, Hard Knock Life and and, and Jay Z's Volume Two um come out. That was one of my first hip hop records. Um, like the first big Puff Daddy record, um, you know, that had a lot of big on it was, was, was awesome. And, um, you know, so some, some things like that. And then when I got into like middle school, it was, um, you know, Dr. Dre chronic 2001, um, DMX. You went a little West coast. Oh, little, <laughs> yes. <laughs> went West coast with that. And then yeah, I started getting to Eminem and, um, you know, and just kind of kept going like that. And then, and so, yeah, I've, I, I always love hip hop. And as a drummer, I think it was mostly that it was. Sure. I, I did. I I never really, I I didn't rap until <laughs> again until much later in life. I didn't rap until I was in you know this band Cuckoo Kangaroo in like 2008 or something like that, right? Like I, I didn't think of my. I liked hip hop, but it was mostly because I liked 
the beats and I, as a drummer i liked playing along with those records you know i would put yeah. on my headphones and just play you right. know turn it all the way up and play and stuff so you know i think it was a lot of the drummer influence and just like i just love hip-hop beats and i always think i was always think about that uh so i think that was kind of like how i got it well you talked about we began this interview talking about how basketball has a lot of like jazz similarities and it's like jazz, basketball, and hip hop are three very distinctly American art forms, and the and mm -hmm. comic the comic book too. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to generalize, but like the idea of the nerd stereotype, it's like there are all types of nerds. And I would say that I remember one like on our first club tour together in 2015 when we were staying like some like kind of grungy hotel like somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and you, and we were like going to sleep, and one of us was sleeping on the floor, and you're like, oh, good. The Force Awakens tickets are out. We got to get them. We got to make sure we get them opening night. It was like four months in advance. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. these are my, this is my type of guy. Like that you're, that you're such a pop culture fan. Yeah. And like, um, I think that's, that's cool. You don't, you've never, in my five years now, almost knowing you, you've never limited. You're always, you're like this giant transcendentalist eye that consumes every, all these like beautiful American and other forms of culture and how do you have time to like be on up on everything <laughs> yeah that's hard i don't know i think uh and technology you're a huge tech guy yeah the, that's kind of those are my corners right there yeah i like i like nba basketball i like like tech stuff especially like apple stuff um and yeah music hip-hop and uh, podcasts really but um but yeah it, it, it's especially hard as you get older i think it's so that's that's the real battle when you're young i think it's super easy you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't you sure. think? Like, I think it's so. I think it's harder when you get older. I think something about being getting older. I'm. I'm. Um, you know, mid thirties, early mid thirties right now, and it feels like I need to work harder to sort of like be excited about more things. Like as I get older, I want to go deeper on fewer things rather mm. than like be more spread out on on more things. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. Like I stop like even just in sports. Like I used to like sort of have a general knowledge of just like all kinds of sports, but in the last few years I've like doubled down on the NBA and like basically shut out all other sports. It's like a weird thing of like I don't know, but uh, there is and done like, two podcasts about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. I don't know. So it is something that I try to. Yeah, you always want to be balanced and you always want to know about what's happening in culture and politics and as much as you can just to be an informed citizen, I guess. But. At the same time, I'm starting to see more value in sort of focusing a little bit more on things. But I think that's just a thing of growing up. I don't know. Do you, do you kind uh. of feel the same about that? Or like as far as or especially just about like general excitement about stuff? Like to me, it's 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 stronger on a small on a more on a limited level of things. You know? Yeah, because the days speed up because each yep. day is a shorter percentage of your life. Mm, right. Yeah. And I think I value my friendships with people who like turn me on to interesting things. And, you know, I have a few people in my life, like you, for example, someone like, if you tell me to check something out, I will, because I know mm. you have good taste. And like, so I have certain people who are kind of like tastemakers of my world that I trust. And, but something, I mean, having toured with you and Brian a lot, it's like, you've opened me up more to pop culture. Like I watch Saturday Night Live now mm. more because of you guys. Yeah, or like, we watch every week, yeah. And, and, and stuff like Coachella and, and, and mainstream festivals and stuff, you'll be like, oh, did you see Kendrick said it was great and I'll be sure to check <laughs> it out. So right. I try I try not to close down, but I think it's it's easy to. And for me, I, you know, I kind of get nostalgically like, you know this, I've been on the, that's this huge Roger Rabbit kick around the anniversary. And like, I'm always, you know, talking about old icp and old weird al and so it's like it's like i go deeper into the stuff that i was into when i was 15 or even eight years old and i think that um 
that's good, but that's also not good. And I think it's like, that's the challenge in life to always have that plasticity and curiosity. And I see that in you, which is why I brought it up. You know, you're always interested in the world. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you just want to, I don't know. I feel like that's, you just, just got to work harder at it. I feel like maybe as you get older, you just got to try a little bit harder to keep those things going because especially as you get established in whatever paths you've chosen, you know what I mean? Like those things like have worked. So you're like, oh yeah, let's, right. this is what we're doing now. So it gets to be more of a challenge on multiple levels, you know, to, to branch out and to try and do extra little things here and there, which is, I don't know, which is again, like why I think this show is good for, you know, this is so cool, like that you just jumped out and did this, you know what I mean? And Thanks, started Neil. this thing and like, <laughs> I don't know, I was talking to you the other day about like how much, how much better of a freestyle rapper you become. Cause I was like thinking about, we met on Warp Tour and you would like go up to Kosha you go up with Kosha Dills. Shout out to Kosha Dills. Yeah, right, right. You know, Freestyle. Kosha yeah. Dills, if you need the scissors or some tape, we got you. Let us know. If you, you can have them. Text you the set times. We yeah, got we you. Yeah, we got you. That's, so that's where, a little background, that's where we all met on We Warped all met Tour. on Warp Tour. And stage. Lars would go up and do freestyle with Kosha every every now and then or every day. And, you know, it was it was tough for you up there some days. You know what I mean? And it was, but you always got up there and kept doing it. Right, right. And Thanks. now you're up there and you do the same with Mega Ran. You've, done, you've grown in that. And it's cool now to see you. And it's just like, you're solid now and you can't be phased. And you can like, you can create stuff out of nowhere. And Thanks, it's so cool. And so like, but that's the thing of like, too, think about that. Like you were at a certain age in your life, like, all right, I'm gonna get better at freestyle rapping now. And it's just right. like, even though it's not too weird for you as a rapper, professional rapper, but like, that's the kind of like drive you need to like try and have in with certain aspects of your life. Otherwise things get really boring, right? You got to keep adding in little elements, even if they are related to what you already are doing. Totally. And I think it's like being a professional musician, especially people like us who tour frequently, it's very easy to get into routine and focus on our old songs. And I like that about working with you guys because you guys always push so hard. And in the five years I've known you guys, you've just grown so much and it's it's blown up so much. And it's like one of the last things I wanted to ask you is as an artist who's also like aware of marketing and design and rapping, does it ever feel like when you have to get up there and be silly and dance and put on the costume, does it feel like you're punching the clock ever? And if it does, how do you like get, get around that, that feeling? Yeah, there's tough times. There's, um, you know, usually I honestly, when, when those things happen, we've done so many shows now, you know, we've been a band for over 10 years and, and yeah, it, there are times when the crowd is, the crowd's not feeling it. And maybe the, the whole reason why we're there is just like sort of backwards or something, or, you know, I don't know, like there's just certain shows where it's, it's, and we play a lot of really different shows is the thing. It's not like we play the same show everywhere. We do different types of shows, whether it's in schools or in clubs or at conferences, ski lifts, ski lodges, (laughs) ski lifts. Um, you know, there's just a wide range of things. So, so there's for sure certain kinds of shows um that are just sort of you know just flat and in those moments yeah especially with our band that, that kind of runs on a track you know we don't have a, a sort of live music element in, in a traditional sense with musicianship and stuff so it's kind of on us to sort of like as the mcs in the room with the mics who are <laughs> hooked up to the pa to sort of like i don't know at that point if the show's not going well and it feels like you're punching the clock you just got to entertain yourself in a different way, whether that be like attempt something you've never done or like try and dance in a different way or try and do the show differently, like just shake it up in a different kind of way to sort of like, you know, 
um, you know, to breathe some life into it or to, or just find someone in the crowd who, Hey, I'm playing to this person. Now these people over here aren't feeling, I'm playing to you over here now or whatever, you know? So there's little things you can do in those moments. And so it is very tough, especially after many years of, you know, playing the same songs and, and, and doing all that. But generally it's still so fun because we still really enjoy the overall concept of what we're doing. You know what I mean? So it's like, even though the song we've been doing dinosaur stomp for, 10 12 years or whatever um and that song can get a little stale and certain stuff like that still when we perform in a pub you know here here in the uk with lars and are playing these songs and all these people have never heard it before it's it's amazing you know it's su- super fun to bring that and do this show for these people even though for us it's um it's something that's you know been on and on and on it's that thing of just remembering that it's someone else's first time. You know what I mean? That's good. <laughs> and that what I love about you and Brian is if there's two people there or if there's 3,000 people there in your headline and you still give the same show. Yeah. And, and yeah, dope. we get that all the time. It's like, how do you do that? How do you? And it's like, it's literally our job for one. It's only half an hour for two. And and for three, it's better that way. We only know that way. You know what I mean? Like there's not really a, there's not really a half effort show in us. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't really work. Even if there's, even if we're not getting the energy back, even if it's a totally flat show crowd wise, we still just do that no matter what, because it's sort of, sort of been the, it's just been the, you know, the sort of baseline that we operate at all times. So of, of just zero to hundred, like a roller yeah, coaster. Yeah. It's the only way it's the only way. And it's, that's the best way. So we're just going to make that be the only way. I think it's also rare that like two friends from college, could create this business together in the arts, especially and like last for so many years. And how do you keep your friendship with Brian like as fresh as in college? And yeah, it's it's not easy because everything changes once you. And it's not even about oh we're getting gigs now and we're we're making. It's not about making money together. It's about like how it is your life together. You know what I mean? It's about how this is now everything. It's kind of like just just basically the switch from going full time and stuff and. And just like the different realities of what that means for, for you now. You're not just friends now who are kind of just casual. It's like stuff is on the line. You know what I mean? Like this is how we support our families now. So uh, so it's that stuff. And I guess to, for us, you, you just have to make some adjustments. You just have to be open to adjustments and making sure you um, don't, uh, you know, burn out in that way. Because you need to be able to basically be able to talk to each other almost every day. You know what I mean? Like you need to be able to have communication, whether it be online or on the phone or whatever, like all the time. So you, you just have to be able to manage that in a way so you don't get totally burnt out, I guess. So it's about just making little changes and making sure that you can still be friends, but also make changes so that um, the business works as well. And so you don't, I don't know, you just kind of have to change the overall tenor of, of things, I guess. But you still you still love each other and you still are friends, but it's just like different now. You have to be okay with that. You, I think the problem would be if like we tried to force it into being like, no, we're going to be the exact same kind of friends and we're going to be a business. I feel like that would yeah. be a problem. You know what I mean? Because maybe we would just hang out way too much and, and stuff. I don't know. Like, And so it's like that thing of like, just be open to the changes that have to happen. And that's okay because you're, you're, you're deciding together that we're not just going to be just friends anymore. We're gonna kind of be a hybrid friend business LLC yeah. <laughs> relationship, traveling, now. yeah, thing. travel buddies linked at the hip at all times. You know, it's almost right. like you're going deeper, even though in some ways you're less of like friends and you're more of like this other level of things. It's it's really weird. It's <laughs> interesting, man. It's like marriage in a way. It's like you when you date when you start dating someone, 
it's like jamming, right? Mm. And when you marry yep. someone, it's like you're in a band with them, and and when you're in that band is your living, it's like the, the relationship changes. It just becomes something different and stronger. Yeah, and, and I think um, some people would say, "Oh, that's a that's a negative thing," but it's not. If like this is. Uh, if the business or whatever you're getting into with this other person is a positive thing overall, like just because you have to make changes in a relationship doesn't mean that they are necessarily bad or that something's not going right. You know, sometimes you need to make changes just to make room for something else or to make sure that, you know, certain things can remain, you know? So I don't know. It's, uh, it's good, but it's obviously, you know, find someone who you really like being around and, and find some, and it's, and it's cool too, because I think it works where if you're in this, again, can go in a relationship or in a business, um, you kind of find a way to mold around each other's kind of blind sides. And um, um, I, obviously the, 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 the description is the sort of a yin and yang, right? How right, you, right. you find where other people are maybe are, are need some help and you find out where you're strong and oh, you can delegate things to each other and stuff like that. So, and that stuff, really helps that we were friends before that because we already have this base level of like sure. we can talk to each other about certain things and we can suggest things and we can bring stuff up and it's like we kind of know each other on a deep personal level already and so it's like when we have to sort of like you know make things happen with the business thing it's fine to say i got this you got this and you know whatever or, i'll take this or can you stop doing this or you know stuff like yeah, that totally. it just works out and that, and i've seen like you your friendship with brian and your business relationship a lot of how that works it's kind of helped model my friendship with Megaran, who's on this tour with us. How we totally. we're doing stuff together, and how you're very honest with him and direct, and you kind of build on things together. And it it goes back to what we started this episode talking about is improvisation on the basketball court. You have a framework for like this is how the music industry works, but and this is how a team works. You know what I mean? And like but you always have to be on your feet. You got to be on your toes. Totally. You got to be able to be nimble. You know, like, uh, and, yeah. and that's great to have someone who you can. Again, who who knows those things too and can make those changes with you. Yeah, that's important. And that's like, those are the rare friends you find in life, which I consider you and Brian part of that. And, you know, like people who I feel like I, I can ask you, what do you think of shirt idea? And again, an honest reaction. And that's special, you know? Those are people, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have met each other if we hadn't picked this musical path. That's cool. Yeah, we're, we're all good. We're all good friends and we kind of uh, understand uh, each other in, um, I think, interesting ways, you know, like we can we can help each other with stuff like that, even though we're not like I'm not a part of your business, but like I can help you with little things and and vice versa and stuff. So I don't know. That's that's what like touring and hanging out with your friends is all about. I mean, it's it's really fun to throw bounce ideas around and, you know, chat about stuff like that. So. And not kill each other. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're about halfway through. We're doing good so far. I, I think, think a good tour group is knowing when to be quiet. And I think maybe I'm guilty of this. I'm gonna just keep going with the same as a partnership in any way. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's like yeah. you gotta know when to shut up and just like be over here because you need to like, you know, you just need to have some downtime every now and then. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't mean it's like it doesn't yeah. mean you're not you don't appreciate someone. Yeah, you're just decompressing and chilling. And um that's what's up. Neil, what do you like? Do you, I didn't really talk to Brian about this, but do you feel like is this something you still would want to do in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Yeah, totally. And because I think we were wise when we built this business of, and again, we keep going back to this thing of like we were in a rock band and then we, and then we saw what that was and then we kind of changed it up. And for us too, we, when we made that, when we made Cuckoo Kangaroo, even though we didn't think of it as a, as a, 
something we were going to do this long. We we purposely made it something that could be many different things. You know what I mean? And it's like, I guess it's kind of like high minded, but it's like, you know, we didn't want to just be a rock band because we felt like that's kind of a box in a little way. You know what I mean? And so, I think Cuckoo Kangaroo could be, you know, when you say when I think of like ten years, twenty years down the road, it probably looks very different than it is right now. But it could be so many different things, and it could exist in sort of different kinds of um you know formats you know what i mean that that excites me and that makes me think yeah this can go on for as long as you want it to you know and so but who knows what that looks like you know what i mean and and what's the, the what's the through line that carries through all those things because there has to be some sort of you know connective tissue there there has to be some sort of what is cuckoo kangaroo so i don't know i mean obviously yeah, it's still a yeah. music thing and it's still about fun and uh you know uh, you know high energy whatever but you know we're we're trying to make a tv show and you know we there's all these different ways we could go with it you know and and the live show could be so many things and that's always kind of the core of what we think about our band as this live experience and and so you know that's something that I think it can go on for a long time. So I do think it could, you know, and so I hope it does. But it's also hard because you have to kind of, it's hard because you want to, you want it to go on for a long time, but you also have to be open to the idea of of things can run their course too. Mm. That's hard, right? Like you don't want to think about that, but you also kind of have to know when to say when. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Right. And And so maybe, and maybe it's not soon, but down the line, there might be a time where it's like, we got, we got to call it at some point. Right. But maybe not. If things are going well and we have opportunities, then we'll just keep it going. And I, I foresee right. that being the case. And but, this, like yeah. the, the Aquabats have, like you said, morphed and changed in different things. And they don't. I don't see them ever stopping. They no. can change members a little bit, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's that's a hard thing. Is like because yeah. But don't you? I feel like we would agree that like there are some good examples of especially like art when it's just like, thank you for stopping this when when you did. You know what I mean? Bill like there Thank you, Bill Watterson. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, but even like I thought we think about like Fly the Concords too. Like oh, that's right. a big um, um, influence for Brian and I. And they just did two. They just um, did a live thing for HBO, and they're still around and doing doing music and stuff. But like, you know, so it's fine to come back. But like, they stopped their TV show after the second season. They were kind of like out of songs. You know what I mean? And they just like weren't really feeling it anymore. And it's like or Chappelle, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's so many scenarios where I think I'm so glad they stopped what they did instead of giving us one more hang on for too long album or series or season or whatever. Right. Like that's so valuable. So it's like, I don't know. I don't mean to say that like, oh, uh, you know, uh, you know, we got to keep an eye out for an exit here, but uh, you know, there there is that to keep in mind too, right? It like you don't want to force it this. forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like so I don't know. That's that's kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. Neil, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a good time. I hope uh, I hope uh, yeah. everybody like listen to Brian and I talk to you separately. I hope cool. uh, I didn't say too much bad things about him. So hopefully he hopefully he kept it cool with me. <laughs> no, he said I don't know. He should I throw in a diss or something? Like the, how many disses did he throw at me? Zero. Zero. Uh, what if uh, what, is there anything you want to say to Brian that you couldn't say to his face? Yeah, because he's gonna listen. He's gonna, he's, you think he's gonna listen to this? Of course. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll probably listen. I think I'll probably listen to it too. Um, I don't know. We're good friends, so I say everything to his face. But you guys should know that Brian is running this thing. He's 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 twisting all the knobs. He's uh, pushing all the buttons. He's pulling the levers behind the scenes. He's 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 kind of running the th- he's kind of running the show behind the scenes here. So. Uh, you know, if you ever uh, if you ever email us, it's probably Brian getting back to you. You know what I mean? If you ever get a DM, it's probably from Brian. Uh, but so I I'm just thankful for have I'm just thankful for him because he is an amazing business person and uh, 
very um he's 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 the engine you know what i mean you gotta have an engine and he, he's powering it you know what i mean yeah. like i'm stoked to be here and very into it for sure but he's like pushing us forward if you want and i hope we, i just hope i'm not like dragging him too far <laughs> no i was gonna say if you want a guest verse from cuckoo kangaroo it's probably his parts probably ghost written by nail <laughs> there you go there so, you go so. that's the part for me yep i provide the raps and uh some graphic design and uh you know we're, we both come up with ideas you know what i mean it's uh we're, we're we're creatively in sync and creatively you know very split very you know mutual in all of this but man brian's amazing because he's he's a business runner too you know what i mean he's he's a producer in this in this thing well he's he's violent and you're shaggy okay and that like, i'm glad to know that shaggy's kind of like <laughs> shaggy too dope more iconic <laughs> more ori the original voice but but jay's kind of like the the engine of icp nice uh you could play the your stuff for your parents more i guess nice well i'm 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 happy to be shaggy too dope because we're all homies homies <laughs> homies homies <laughs> Okay, we can't cover it though. Throwing up look. clam love science. We were talking about this skit where I'd be like busting on my friends and doing jokes about him. Like, yo, Neil, I love that guy. He's so tall. Homies, homies. <laughs> so you say something about a friend. Well, and then, <laughs> yeah, make a brand. Man, that guy sure loves wrestling and video games. Homies, homies. <laughs> Some of you don't know, we're referencing a song called Juggalo Homies by ICP. You've let me talk to you a lot about ICP. Over the years. I love learning about ICP. It's great to tour with Lars. You learn about ICP. You learn about Jerky Boys. You learn about Vanilla Ice. You learn all all the best culture little things that have ever happened. Uh, the pinnacles of culture. The pinnacles, Simpsons, Nirvana. Those are good things. It's all good. You learn about all this great stuff when you hang with Lars. It's been cool. And we got what, what about halfway through this tour. Yeah, it's been going great. It's been great. Turnouts have been good. I hey. love coming to the UK with you. I don't know if it'd be as cool with anybody else because you've been here so many times and you're so like into it here you know what i mean like you know all the stuff so well like yeah. you know all the cities and all the areas and different people in all these places it'd be like really weird to come here with like someone else who had never been here before and <laughs> be like what are we doing well maybe what is this place about like one day you guys can bring um like some yeah proteges or something like that. yeah that'd be fun and be like here it is learn about uh learn about baps i don't know mm -hmm. we um hang out a lot most of the time we hang out is on tour Mm -hmm. And then you, you and Brian came to my wedding. That yep. was really cool. Yeah. And um, but I feel like it's like whenever I see you guys, it's like no time has passed. We pick right up. Just jump right back in. I think that's how it is. I think with with lots of touring people who like see totally. each other on that. You know, like if you're in the business of traveling a lot and doing the shows and stuff, like you just kind of pause it when you leave each other and then start it up again. Oh, hi, Ben. Boom, and then yeah. you just keep going. A song will remind you of something from like 10 years ago and it feels like no time passed. And that's going back as we wrap up like this thing about magic, right? Like like that's the Imagineers do that. Musicians who have like a cohesive brand who want to share their music do that. And that's like inspiring to meet people who have this crazy mission to be like, yeah, we're going to shout in microphones and sell pieces of cotton with things we designed on the computer and somehow pay the bills and be ha married adults and do this yeah and our goal is like this ultimate high level thing of like this experience that you remember for like a really long time yeah. and it's like you know it's a, it's like this yeah it's this crazy way of like getting to that right you're, you're trying to get to this high level of like a, a, just a great night or just a great overall experience and something you remember and then hopefully in a long time you bring your kids or whatever like or you tell your kids about it or something like that and it's like we're doing that with like raps about weird stuff and like because yeah. it's a family a shared family thing like yeah. especially with you guys that yeah. they'll be like oh yeah cuckoo that was so fun like they remember yeah it's like creating these explosions of like neural 
euphoria that are, can be associated with these digital like artifacts, you know? Yeah, totally. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. We're doing it. We're doing it. So come see a show. Come, come see us. Come get that experience. You are on Instagram. You have a solo, Neely. Hit me up, Neely Drum, yeah. N-E-I-L-Y-D-R-U-M um, on Instagram. And then follow the band. What are you, you're on Twitter, right? Yeah, same thing on Twitter, Neely Drum. Don't really tweet much, but, uh, you know, sometimes I'll tweet about theme parks or yeah. about uh, MC Lars. It's, it's all good. You have, your photos are great. Speaking of oh, archetypes, you've got yeah. a great eye. I love taking photos. Yeah. And so follow me on Instagram because you'll see them there. Neil, thank you for being on the show. Love you, Lars. Love you too. Peace. Dear Diary, well, I finally did it. I got a job. My tropical fish hobby has really gotten out of control, and the extra spending cash will go a long way. I'm really proud of myself right now. I've been unemployed for nine months. Finally, I just decided that enough is enough. Time to rejoin the working class. Of course, I didn't want to get a job just anywhere. I want to work at a place that separates the wheat from the chaff, somewhere that has chicken noodle soup for my soul. You know, place that's really on the rise. That's right, I got a job at Panera Bread. My dreams came true, got a job at Panera. My dreams came true, got a job at Panera. And everything's changing, my dreams, my dreams, my dreams came diary good news i finally deadlifted 325 i gotta say i'm really happy with my progress after that 11 year old robbed me earlier in the summer i realized i needed to make my physique a little more intimidating oh more good news work is going really well they say i'm the first person to win employee of the month four months in a row also i'm ranked number one in our district for my panera activations people ask me all the time how do you get so many people to sign up for my panera i always say the same thing let the glory of panera shine through you it's contagious. Anyway, the other day our manager was fired after it came out that he'd been stealing and reselling pastries for three years. They asked me if I would take his place as manager. I said sure. My dreams came true, manager at Panera. My dreams came true, manager at Panera. And everything's changing. My dreams, my dreams, my dreams. diary as you know i was recently a contestant on toot or flute the hit game show that asks you to know the difference between flatulence and musical instruments i won 2.3 million dollars and today the decision on what to spend that money on has been made i considered donating to charity no fun building a roller coaster in my yard too much fun and settled for something in the middle something that brings me joy every day and makes others really happy healthy and full I finally did it. Yep, I bought that Panera. My dreams came true. Now I own a Panera. My dreams came true. Now I own a Panera. And everything's changing. My dreams, my dreams, my dreams.
You know what was tight? That interview was tight. Thank you, Neil. Next week, of course, we've got Brian. And uh, yeah, that will be part two of my Cuckoo Kangaroo series. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for listening to the MC Lars podcast, for all your love and support. Please leave a review. Please tell a friend. Please peep the new videos for the Dewey Decibel System. And uh, we'll see you next week with my interview with Brian. We'll learn more about the origins of this Minnesota classic duo. All right, everyone. Thanks again. Bye.